Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details Podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me as usual. Darcy, say hi to the fans. Hey, guys. <laughs> to the two or three fans we have that are listening. Everybody else hates us. They're they're loyal. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We have a lot of really great people out there that support us, and we are so very, very thankful for all of them. You guys are the reason that we do what we do, because if we didn't have any fans, we probably wouldn't waste our time (laughs) recording this. Right. (laughs) As much as we enjoy it, like not having anyone to listen to it would kind of be a downer. Yeah. But um, I've got a couple interesting little current event topics that we'll kind of start the podcast out with. I don't know if you heard the updates with the Ghislaine Maxwell. I don't think I have. Evidently, she's been woken up every 15 minutes in jail while she sleeps. Really? Says her lawyer. Hmm. So Is this he article that that's like torture? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. This came out on Associated Press this last week, and evidently her lawyer says that she... Um, well, she's been charged, in case you guys are just tuning in now and have no idea who this woman is, she's been charged with binding girls in the 90s for Jeffrey Epstein to sexually mm-hmm. abuse, right? So um, on and Tuesday... And she's been accused of sexual abuse herself, too, yes, by at least correct. one of his victims. But this, the main charges that are that she's awaiting the trial for is for finding girls for this guy. But oh, okay. In a, essentially, though, on Tuesday... Her attorney said that she was awoken every 15 minutes in jail while she sleeps to ensure that she's breathing. He told a Manhattan judge that she faces more restrictive conditions than inmates convicted of terrorism or murder. Mm, Poor girl. Um, Maxwell has no history of mental health issues or suicidal ideation and no criminal history, the attorney says, and they want the judge to intervene on Maxwell's behalf to improve her conditions in the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn. Mm. Um, in the request, the attorney, Ms. Sternheim, made no direct reference to Epstein making uh, to Epstein taking his own life in August 2019. But I think there is some concern that she might, if she continues to have to suffer through this horrible treatment in prison, Baugh, they want the Brooklyn facilities warden to directly address the concerns. And a spokesperson for the prosecutor's office declined any comments. But Maxwell, 58, has pled not guilty to charges that she procured three girls for Epstein to abuse in the mid-90s. She's been held without bail while she prepares for a July trial, which could get pushed back because of COVID. Right. But on Monday, prosecutors notified the judge that Maxwell was put into quarantine last week for 14 days after someone who works in the area that she was in tested positive for coronavirus. Mm. Um, and she was not able to meet with her defense team during that period. In their letter, though, the prosecutor said 13 hours a day, Maxwell gets to review trial materials. 13 hours a day on a laptop computer. And it's more than any other prisoner is allotted. That's what the the prosecuting attorney said. So don't feel too bad for her. The reference bothered uh, Maxwell's attorney, though, who said Maxwell faces burdens unmatched by other inmates and has been mistreated. That's interesting that the lawyer is claiming that her mental health is going to be affected by the sleep deprivation, which, I mean, it most certainly is. I mean, that is an actual torture technique. But I think given the fact that Epstein committed suicide himself, I mean, I think there's reason to believe that... That's the whole concern. That's why they're waking her up every 15 minutes is that concern because of what Jeffrey Epstein did. And, I mean... I don't know, right, wrong, good or bad, waking her up every 15 minutes. It is going to be detrimental to her mental health. I, I mean, that's just, that's it a It is, but 
how is she any different from anybody else? Right. Like, why should she get preferential right. treatment? Evidently, there are over a million documents submitted by the prosecutors as evidence and that she lacks enough time to study the material, according to her attorney. They said, <clears throat> excuse me, they said she was initially quarantined without soap or toothbrush. Psychology staff stopped checking on her, failing to tell her the results of her COVID-19 test or what to do if she becomes symptomatic. <sighs> Prosecutors said, though, that her test results all came back negative and she'd be tested again at the conclusion of her quarantine. The lawyer said Maxwell's kept in what is considered solitary confinement, mm-hmm. essentially, and she's excessively and invasively searched and monitored 24 hours a day, including camera surveillance in her cell and a camera following her movement wherever she is, whenever she's permitted to leave her cell. Essentially, it's nonstop camera surveillance. Miss Maxwell's sleep is also disturbed every 15 minutes when she's awakened by a flashlight to ascertain whether she is breathing. It sounds like she's in really? jail. Like. It yeah. just sounds like she's in jail, yeah. and she's in protective custody because of the nature of her charges. They can't put her in yeah. the general population. Not only that, but in the history of this case, what has happened right. has been problematic, and people are concerned. I don't think she deserves any preferential treatment because she's a rich, white socialite. Right. Okay? She should be treated just like everybody else in that facility. End of story. Yeah. Are we in agreement on that? No. I mean, I think... Like, the only thing that I kind of think, I mean, it's like every 15 minutes, like, I keep going back to that because of somebody who is sleep deprived, like, I know what that does to you. And obviously, I don't know what it does to you to that extent, but that is probably borderline treatment. Excessive? Like, yeah, like, it's probably excessive, but like, given what has already happened with the other people involved in this case, specifically Jeffrey Epstein, I understand why they're doing it. I don't know if that gives them full cause necessarily. Like I get the precedent, but I don't know that they can just be like, well, the previous defendant killed himself. So we have to wake you up every 15 minutes. I don't know that that's like a good standard. Well, I heard an hourly check and a half every check, a check every half hour was a standard 15 minutes. I've never heard they're of that. They're supposed to come around every hour or half hour, but they're not supposed to wake you up necessarily. And that's... Yeah, but how do we know they're actually waking her up? I mean, maybe they're just looking in. Yeah. I mean, how do we know well, that we they're actually... Yeah. Inten- I mean, that's just what her attorney is saying, and that's presumably based on what she's saying, that she's woken up every 15 minutes. But, like, that's the whole I thing mean, of Jeffrey Epstein. I could sleep through that. If they're just shining a flashlight into the cell to make sure your chest is rising and falling, yeah. like, how does that have to necessarily wake her up? I mean, I'm really sensitive to light. That would probably wake me up. Well, she needs to get over <laughs> it and maybe just put an eye mask on or something. I don't think you get I mean, an eye mask on. in jail. <laughs> yeah, she could make one. I mean, come on. Get crafty. She's probably got, they like... They probably wouldn't allow it, though. An eye mask? Yeah. Like, you can't have you your can head under the covers. put a washcloth over your face. Put a washcloth over your eyes. I don't think they allow stuff like that. A washcloth? Not over your eyes. Because you can't, like, put your head under the covers. Mm, I would think they would allow you. Somebody write us in if you have yeah, any answers you know. to this. I mean, we're just kind of curious. Do they allow you to do that? Because I would think that I would just put, like, a, a shirt or something over my eyes and cover, you know, yeah. so that blocks out the darkness. And why would that be a problem? I have no idea. I just it just seems so, like one of those things like the kind of obvious answer is like she would have done that by now or it's not allowed. They don't, don't let know. you put your head under the blanket. I don't think so. I think you have to like have your head. I've never and heard your that hand showing at all times. Wow. Yeah. 
write us in if you know the answer to that. That seems like a, a type of a question that somebody out there's right. got to know the answer actually to. Maybe somebody that's worked in somebody that the prison in system the or correctional facility that does know the, actually, know the answer to that. I know somebody that was convicted that spent time in prison with, he said he spent time with, um, God, one of those serial killers that we've done a show on. I'll have to get back okay. to you on that because I'm going to ask him because he was in for like robbery and dr- selling drugs or something like that. And where was he? Said that he was in jail in Wisconsin. Oh. So I'm going to ask him, see if he has any information yeah. on that. I mean, he probably does. Yeah. Like I have the most random people writing to me now that are like, hey, I was in prison with so and so, or hey, well, I went crazy. to prison for this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hi, on Facebook. That's... <laughs> Like, how did you get my information? That's crazy. That's but yeah, I mean, but, but back to the whole like. I mean, hey, if they've done their time and and served their time, I, I'm yeah, I'm not gonna judge them for that. But yeah, um, but I was just gonna say, like, if you have any information, let us know. Like, if and and the whole no like powers. our like hourly check thing, that's the whole reason that Epstein was able to successfully die by suicide was because they were not checking every hour. Yeah. So I, it's so. kind of on that same vein that you're like, well, if you would just do the actual job you're supposed to do, you wouldn't need to increase the checks every 15 minutes. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Okay. So moving on to the next issue here. This one I found in USA Today and thought this was super interesting. It's um, dead minks infected with mutated form of COVID-19 rise from their graves after mass culling. <laughs> This sounds like some straight up like Walking Dead, right? But evidently, there are a bunch of minks that were infected with a mutated strain of COVID nineteen in Denmark. You heard about this, right? I I saw the headline, but I didn't read into it. But they appear to be rising from the dead, and igniting a national frenzy and calls from local officials to cremate the carcasses. But they're not actually rising from the dead, right? But I, I here's where it kind of. It gets okay. interesting. The site itself is certainly terrifying for the residents of the, of the area where these little guys are rising from the grave, but the region of the country grappling with confirmed COVID-19 cases connected to this mink. Evidently, there was some sort of a scientific explanation, though, for the zombie-like reemergence of these little guys from their graves. A Danish spokesperson said that gases form when the body decays underground. Oh, so they're the being like pushed up from underground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So okay. in this way in the worst case the mink gets pushed out of the ground as the gases kind of rise or whatever but the nation had planned to cull all 15 million minks in the country <gasps> which produce this this place produces about 40 percent of the world's mink they're gonna kill all of them 15 million but that doesn't say whether they were gonna kill them because of covid or whether they were gonna kill them because they were gonna use the minks for coats or whatever right but because of the rush burial, the animals were placed in shallow graves just over three feet deep. So these guys are not like a couple of inches under the ground. Three feet's pretty yeah. deep, don't you think? Yeah, but they're also really light. So it wouldn't take a lot of gas to like propel them upward. With three feet? I mean, it's, it's probably not like happening. Like it's not like a geyser. But yeah, I mean, probably over time. Yeah. But with that many, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Now officials plan to bury the creatures in graves nearly double the depth. The area will also be monitored nonstop until a fence can be set up. But for some local officials, it may not suffice. Some have been concerned about the graves' proximity to rivers and other water sources, which can contaminate water supplies in the region. So the mayors are now suggesting burning all the corpses in order to prevent further concerns. But that's freaking scary. What is the connection between the minks and and COVID? They had a mutated strain of it, which is why they killed them. 
they were tra- they were able to transmit this mutated strain i think to humans oh, was the concern okay and so they were like we have to do something immediately because this is not right. good wow and then they couldn't so. they, they ended up killing him and they came back yeah, buried them, and they're like, <laughs> I know it's not funny. We shouldn't be laughing about that. But, like, uh, those poor little creatures, I feel so bad. Like, I'm not a mink fan. I And I know I this is a fur, personal standpoint, but, but yeah. I don't do fur either. Like, nothing real fur. Mm. All of it's – all my stuff is fake because I just don't believe in, in killing those poor little creatures. And they're so adorable. They're just the cutest little I don't things. like rodents, so I'm not going to go as far as to say they're adorable. No, minks are so cute. I don't cute. think ro- – I, I don't like rodents <laughs> in any form, but I don't like And then people are like going to be fur. like, why don't you like them? Oh, speaking of which, do you want to do the emails yeah. too? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said we got some good ones. <laughs> you want to do those in the beginning or the uh, end? Let's do them at the end. Okay. Because we're going to need like a picker-upper after this one. We're going to get back to that. Uh, we're going to talk about emails later, but we're going to go back to the little rodent thing a little bit later. <laughs> Darcy, do you want to jump into the main case for the yeah, day? Yeah, so this is one of my random Wikipedia finds. Um, what Middle of the night, can't sleep. Of course. And, scrolling through and Wikipedia. one of my favorite things is, like, if you're reading about a town, looking at the notable people section or whatever, you know? And that's how I mm. kind of stumbled upon this story. And this is the story of Carrie Buck. And she's from Virginia, and this case actually took place in the 20s. So Carrie Elizabeth Buck was born on July 3rd, 1906, in Charlottesville, Virginia, to Emma Buck. And there's not a lot of information about Emma, but we know that at the time Carrie was born, Emma was married to a man named Frederick Buck, but he ended up abandoning her pretty early in the marriage, and we don't actually know if Frederick was Carrie's father. We just know that they were married to each other at the time that Carrie was born. Okay. And Emma being this being this 1906 ended up being committed to the Virginia State Colony for Epileptics and Feeble-Minded. Was the name of the actual hospital? Um, after being accused of immorality, prostitution and having syphilis. What? Yeah. So, having syphilis yeah. how is that like so basically they said she was promiscuous and so we're going to commit her she clearly is feeble-minded because she's promiscuous so we're going to commit her to a hospital oh my god it's 1906 That's so crazy yeah so emma gets committed to this hospital and carrie is placed with foster parents named john and alice dobbs and okay uh it was a, you know it was a pretty okay lifestyle i mean she was a young girl in the early 1900s, it's not like she was allowed to do a whole lot, but she did attend school until the sixth grade. And she was said by all accounts to be just an average student. Was this like a middle class family, a lower class family? Um, Any ideas? The foster family, I would say, yeah. is probably middle class, but I don't, I'm just, that's an assumption. I didn't read that anywhere okay. explicitly stated. Um, but just kind of how the rest of the story goes, I would guess middle class. Um, she left school in the sixth grade to help her foster parents with the housework. And when Carrie is about 16 or 17, she ends up being raped by Alice Dobbs' nephew, Clarence Garland. Oh. And on January 23rd, 1924, the Dobbses had her committed to the Virginia Colony for Epileptics and Feeble-Minded. On Wait, the same uh-huh, one? On grounds of feeble-mindedness, incorrigible behavior, and promiscuity. 
So they basically said Even she got raped. Yes. So That's basically so they said she was up. a minor and she got she got raped and as a result ended up pregnant. She's promiscuous. She has immoral behavior. We have she is feeble minded just so like basically her mom. Basically, it's her own fault that she Absolutely. got raped. Basically. Absolutely. And she ends up giving birth to a daughter named Vivian on March 28, 1924. But having been deemed mentally incompetent, Vivian gets adopted by the Dobbses. Okay. Okay. So there's something else. The same family that adopted. Yeah. The- well, yeah. They, they didn't technically adopt uh, Carrie. They were her foster parents. But they did adopt okay. Vivian. And Wow. There's something else that's going on around this time in the United States and, and in Virginia that, that we need to kind of discuss. So we're going to hop out of Carrie Buck's story, and we're going to okay. talk about something called the Anglo-Saxon Clubs of America. Have you ever heard of this? No. Yeah, this was a group. Do tell. Uh, Sounds especially, like, racist. Uh-huh. <laughs> this group exclusively for white men sought to end, quote, amalgamation by interracial marriage. Wait. Oh. Yeah. But Yuck. stay with me. So they're basically like the Aryan Brotherhood or whatever, the earlier version. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're, they, yeah. They, they, it's like all the same people. I mean, essentially. But wait, is this more like, like a JC's club, but for white uh, yeah. supremacists? Yeah. But in, in the sense, not in the sense of white supremacists, like what we see with the Klan and with Aryan Brotherhood. It's more in the sense of but this is just how things were in 1924. Like eugenics. Like this is yeah. This is Charles this Lindbergh. is absolutely an outcropping of the eugenicist movement. Yeah. So, why don't you explain to the the listeners just real quickly what that what eugenics is? is? What yeah. Being a, you, so yeah. eugenics is kind of the nice way to say it is that you only it, it's basically a, a thing that white people say, and it, you only marry and you only reproduce with other white people, so you don't quote-unquote taint the gene pool that's eugenics it was huge in the 1920s like you mentioned charles Lindbergh was a eugenicist but so really big around world war ii and the in 1924 this anglo-saxon club ends up lobbying the virginia general assembly to pass what is called the racial integrity act of 1924 and this Ew, act reinforces racial segregation by prohibiting interracial marriage and classifying as white any person who has no trace whatsoever of any blood other than Caucasian. That's a quote. So one drop means you're yes. black. Or, well, so if they, you have an ex great, 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 great grandmother who's black, then you're black. Yes. Well, co- you're listed as colored because it's 1924. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like you just said, it also required all birth certificates and marriage certificates in Virginia to include the person's race as either white or colored. And this is a tertiary effect of eugenics, which was popular in the U.S. at the time. This classification... This was, you said it passed in 24? Yep. Okay. And this classification also included most Native Americans as colored, so much so that basically the Native American race was essentially being erased as a group from official Virginia records. So, like, in 1930, the census recorded 779 Native Americans, but by 1940, the census only recovered only recovered, recorded 198 because the majority of them were listed as colored. Were considered colored. Yep. Okay, so were Asian people considered yes. colored and Hispanic people and yep. all that? Anyone that was any race other than Caucasian was yep. colored. Ugh. And... 
You also had schools excluding mixed race students and disinterring remains of towns were disinterring the remains of persons of quote unquote questionable ancestry from white cemeteries to be reburied elsewhere. And the other consequence of the Racial Integrity Act was involuntary sterilization, with Virginia having the second highest record of involuntary sterilization in the United States prior to 1957. Keep going. All right. So, like I said, involuntary sterilization. So more than 6,500 people were involuntarily sterilized in Virginia, with women vastly outnumbering the men, with over 4,000 women and 2,600 men involuntarily sterilized. Okay. And that was another consequence of this Racial Integrity Act, which is an outcropping of eugenics. And of the women that were sterilized, almost 2,100 were classified as mentally ill. 1,875 were classified as mentally deficient. And the rest were classified as just other. And basically, when we say mentally deficient, it's because they're promiscuous. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's literally any reason. I, I mean, we'll talk about how... So this is going to take us back into the story of Carrie Buck. Okay, so officials at the Virginia colony where Carrie was admitted decided to sterilize her under the Racial Integrity Act because she had been... So was Carrie Buck black? No, she was white, but she'd been deemed feeble-minded. Okay. So that's what they did. And because she would have been the first person to be sterilized under this law, they decided to go through the motions of making sure that this Racial Integrity Act is constitutional, so they file a claim on her behalf right the colony does out of just pure goodwill they're such good people oh yeah yeah they hire an attorney to represent carrie and they hire an attorney to represent them and um the attorney that represented carrie was friends with the superintendent of the colony yeah no bias there Mm -hmm. and the attorneys were in contact throughout the entire trial with each other Gross. So basically, Carrie's attorney was just not arguing in any capacity against the sterilization. He was just basically providing her a defense because, hey, the Constitution says she has to have a lawyer. That's just like the grossest, like, good old boy network mentality in full example. Yes. So the colony offered, quote unquote, scientific evidence that Carrie should be sterilized And the report that offered this evidence was prepared by something called the Eugenics Record Office in Virginia. And it stated, this is a quote, mental defectiveness evidenced by failure of mental development having chronological age of 18 years with a mental age of nine years, according to Stanford revision of Binet-Simon test. I don't know what the Binet-Simon test is. So if you do know, write us in. I'm assuming it's a psychologically development test, but I don't know. If she was only allowed to go to school until the sixth grade, it's not like she's mm-hmm. going to be a rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. And of, continuing the quote, and of social and economic inadequacy, so she was poor. She has a record during life of immorality because she was raped, prostitution, and untruthfulness. She's never been self-sustaining, has had one illegitimate child, now about six months old, and supposed to be a mental defective. So they they look at her child and they said she's mentally defective too. And... Let's hop back out of that quote, because there is a little bit of evidence about Vivian in school. She was only enrolled in school for two years, but during that time, she was by all accounts an average student, and she actually improved her grades from B's to A's between first and second grade. But they're calling her 
just a baby. Uh-huh. What and, the hell? And they're calling her mentally defective. So back into the quote about Carrie. This girl comes from a shiftless, ignorant, and worthless class of people, and it is impossible to get intelligent and satisfactory data, though I have had Miss Wilhelm of the Red Cross of Charlottesville try to work out her family line. So basically, we can't figure out her, her lineage because she's so poor and slutty. Again, oh she was raped. Further evidence of hereditary nature of Carrie Buck's feeble-mindedness and moral delinquency consists in the fact that at a very early age of four years, she was taken from the bad environment furnished by her mother, who was committed against her will, and given a better environment by her adopted mother, foster mother. The family history record and the individual histories, if true, demonstrate the hereditary nature of the feeble-mindedness and moral delinquency in Carrie Buck. She is therefore a potential parent of socially inadequate or defective offspring. So just so the listeners are like kind of clear on this period in U.S. history, uh, women in general, as well as minorities, basically had no rights. And if you had postpartum depression, if you talked back to your husband, Mm -hmm. if you were mouthy, if you had an opinion, if you wanted to do things yourself... If you were educated, then you could be committed by any number of different people within your own family Mm -hmm. if they just simply wanted to get rid of you. Yep. Like, if they wanted to remarry, they could have you committed to a mental institution, and you would have absolutely zero say in what happened to you. Against your will, you could have been committed to a mental institution when you really weren't mentally ill. Yeah, and we were really big on diagnosing women as hysterical, Back this, yes. during this time. So if you had postpartum depression, if you were depressed, if you had epilepsy, if you had a whole host of medical mm-hmm. conditions that we consider normal now, then you could be committed to a mental mm-hmm. hospital. I mean, it was simply a horrifying time for women and minorities to be alive. Yeah. And not that it's necessarily 100% better now for minorities, but it was truly a horrifying time to be a woman in this country it was as well. pretty much horrible to be anybody but a white man at this point. Yeah. Time. Yes. So exactly. the guy who, the man who wrote this report for the eugenics record office never even met Carrie. This report was based solely on information provided by the colony. Yeah. And Carrie's lawyer didn't call any witnesses on her behalf. And called no, co- called no witnesses to dispute the report from the eugenics record office. And the court ruled against Carrie. Obviously. And, of course, Carrie had no say in the matter herself. No. She was probably not allowed to testify or say even a word in her own no. defense. And so the court, the original court testif- uh, rules against her. An appeal is automatically filed. And the appeals court rules against Carrie. And then, finally, this makes its way all the way up to the Supreme Court in 1927. But the Supreme Mm -hmm. Court only saw the court transcripts from the original case and the appeal, and they voted eight to one to uphold the forced sterilization of Carrie Buck. Wow. Yeah. So this is called Bell versus Buck, or Buck versus Bell, I think is the the actual case title, if you're interested in looking this up. So Carrie's surgery. We'll put that in the show notes, too, in case you guys want to look that up yourselves. So Carrie's surgery was performed on October 19th, 1927, by a surgeon named John H. Bell, who was the superintendent of the colony. And she was released from the Virginia colony for epileptics and feeble-minded a few months later. And under... Go ahead. Do we know how she was sterilized? Did they just tie her tubes? Did they give her a full hysterectomy? It was a a tubal ligation. Okay, because... 
I think at, back then, there in some instances, doctors would full-on remove all the sexual organs right. of a woman in order to sterilize her, not just tie the tubes. Right. So, I mean, that's why it's important to make that distinction. Right. They could literally rip a woman's uterus out if they wanted to sterilize her, which was must have been absolutely terrifying. Correct. And under this same law, Carrie's mother, Emma, and her three-year-old daughter, Vivian, were also sterilized without their consent. What in the actual... Yeah. Wow. Her four-year-old daughter? She's three. Holy moly. Unfortunately, Vivian dies in 1932, and a little bit unclear why she dies. Some sources say it was colitis. Some sources say it was complications from measles, but... She did not live very much longer after her forced sterilization. And here's the crazy thing, and this is why I think the tubal ligation is important, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up, is because Carrie's younger sister was also sterilized without her knowledge when she was hospitalized for appendicitis. Because she was related to Carrie? Yes, they didn't want anybody in Carrie Buck's family to reproduce. Wow, that is so crazy. She did not find out until 1980 that she had been involuntarily sterilized. This whole time. She just thought she was infertile. Yeah, this whole time she'd been trying to get pregnant with her husband and going through all these fertility treatments and did not find out until 1980 that they had sterilized her when she went in for appendicitis. Wow. So, in 1932. Carrie marries a man named William Eagle, who is a 65-year-old widower with six children from his previous marriage. Good Lord. And he dies nine years later in 1941. There's not a lot of information. I don't know if she continued to raise the children. There's just no information on that. And in 1965, she ends up marrying a second time to an orchard worker named Charlie Dedimore. And this marriage lasted the rest of Carrie's life. And Carrie died in a nursing home in 1983 and was buried next to her daughter, Vivian. Wow. So a law professor in Atlanta named Paul Lombardo researched Carrie's case for more than 25 years. And he actually was able to locate her in in Virginia shortly before her death and interview her. And he said that numerous people manufactured evidence to make the state's case at her trial simply because she was poor, simply because she had gotten pregnant. Um, that they wanted to just they that they basically just wanted to run this experiment on her and that she was a completely average intelligence. There was no there was no reason for any of it. Not that that's a not, not that that's a justifiable reason, but they basically made up all this evidence that she was quote unquote feeble minded and of but impure. How morals. many others mm-hmm. do you think they did this to? I am willing to bet anything that they did this to countless yeah. minorities, Native Americans, blacks. Yep. Hispanics, Asians, And it was primarily minorities that ended up being involuntarily sterilized under this law, under the quote-unquote Racial Integrity Act of 1927. Ugh, and so obviously, and Carrie did express it in this interview that she was, she always regretted that she was unable to have more children. She always wanted to have more kids. And after the Supreme Court decision in 1927, more than 24 other states enacted similar laws resulting in the number of sterilizations performed in the United States more than doubling by 1947. So how long was this law on the books? Um, well, hold that thought, because you mentioned that this was also a big thing in Nazi Germany, right? Or in World War II. 
Well, U.S., you know, just for the listeners' reference, the U.S. was not the only country, was not by only, was not even one of a handful of countries that did this. No. There were many countries that enforced forced sterilization to get rid of people of color mm-hmm. all over the world. And Native Americans, what are they called? The, the, the indigenous? Romani? Indigenous peoples, yes. Romani? Exactly. Mm-hmm. They, they called them gypsies back right. then, but they did it in to get rid of them. Yeah. And so Virginia's forced sterilization law was one of the first in the United States, and it actually served as a template for Nazi Germany's 1933 law for protection against genetically defective offspring. And they even so gave Germany didn't begin it. Right. <laughs> we were in it before Germany did. And and they even gave the man who wrote Carrie's report for the Eugenics Record Office an honorary doctorate in nineteen thirty six. Oh, I Nazi thought you were going to say they gave him the Nobel Prize or some disgusting thing. No, like that. just an honorary doctorate from Nazi Germany. But Ugh, after World War Two, and this is the thing that like sent chills down my spine. After the World War Two after World War Two, Nazi doctors frequently cited Carrie Buck's Supreme Court case as part of their defense in the Nuremberg trials. Jeez. It's just So here we are at Nuremberg thinking we're so ethically superior. Yeah. And they're citing a United States Supreme Court case as their defense. That just I think was chilling to me. It blows your mind. It it absolutely blows your mind because we tend to think as a country and as a people, that we are some sort of moral example, that we, you know, have had issues, but, you know, we're not as bad as mm-hmm. so-and-so. Or maybe we want to kind of whitewash or erase some of the issues in the past. Mm-hmm. But I think this is really important for us to acknowledge and understand and know. Because if those that that don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. Yes. And to your question just a second ago... In 1967, the Supreme Court ruled that the portion of the Racial Integrity Act that criminalized interracial marriages was contrary to the guarantees of equal protection under the law. And that's known Mm -hmm. as Loving versus Virginia. That's a really famous case. Um, But it wasn't until 1979 that Virginia repealed the Sterilization Act. 79. Yep. And in 2001... That's like over 50 years mm-hmm. they let that. Can you imagine how many poor women were sterilized during 50 years? Well, and see, and the thing is, I don't have numbers on how many people were sterilized like in the later half of that, like in the 60s and 70s. I don't know if they continue to to do forced sterilizations or if it was just still on the law books. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I'm I don't sure know. they probably did in southern and a lot of small town right. southern cities. Yeah, and there's just Ugh. not a lot of data on that that I could find. But um, in 2001, the state assembly passed a bill expressing regret for their role in the eugenics movement, officially. Wow. But, yep, that is the story of Carrie Buck. And I read that, and it just... Were you going to talk a little bit about the, the hysterectomy versus the tubal ligation? I know you had mentioned a point on that, or did you already cover that? Well, I covered it. I, that's, that's the reason I wanted to... I was glad you asked that, because I covered it when when I was talking about the sister being sterilized yeah. because they didn't give her a hysterectomy. They tied her okay, tubes. So- and so that was why she didn't know that she was sterilized until 1980. That's a very good point. And it may be exactly why they practiced that form of sterilization so that women would not know. Because it was against their consent. And, and if you don't know, and this is a thing that I think a lot of people actually may not know if they don't work in research or anything like that, but 
the laws of consent for medical testing, for medical treatment, for research top, uh, subjects, those all come from the Nuremberg laws. Mm. So those are protections that we, that that the world basically decided, but the U.S. specifically enacts. You know, the Nur- just for people that don't know, the Nuremberg laws are just some people that aren't history majors that may not know what those are. I mean, they were basically a set of laws that came about at the Nuremberg trials after after 1945 to dictate basic human right. rights for the population of the world essentially to kind of pattern after and follow. Right. And this was one of the things that that came out of it and and yet do you know what year the Tuskegee Institute uh, it, that the whole Tuskegee Institute uh, Tuskegee experiments it's always one of those things that we have to take a um, uh, it's like in the 20s and 30s, I think. But, um, oh, Jesus, no, this is right. It was conducted between 1932 and 1972. Um, wow. And they did not get an official yeah. apology for the Tuskegee experiment until 1997 when Bill Clinton apologized. But um, okay, that's just, another one. Uh, sorry, another, another sidebar. Yeah. Uh, the Tuskegee experiment was, just so that the listeners they understand. They infected African-American and impoverished populations with syphilis because they wanted to study the long-term effects of syphilis and they did not inform them that they were infecting them with with syphilis um and that's another one of the informed consent rules that came about was both from nuremberg and from tuskegee experiments and arose out of this whole disgusting nasty part of our history and government where we did things that were experimental in nature and instead of doing it against the entire population they chose those who were impoverished mm-hmm. and minorities who could not defend themselves and who did not have the ability to rise a legal to have to to raise a legal defense well against and that's that's the same thing we atrocities. see when it comes to victims of crime a violent crime right we see that with with the unhomed population we see that with sex workers i mean those are typical victims of crime because they're less likely to file a police report and the police are less likely to take them seriously or investigate i mean it's the same exactly. it's a continuation of all of that it's just incredibly sad and incredibly tragic and i hope that as a country we can learn lessons from this even though this is a case that's a hundred years old yeah right um, that we can still learn from this as a culture and as a people to be able to be a little bit more respectful to understand the history um, of such atrocities. Right. And, and you know, for me, the big thing was the Racial Integrity Act. Obviously, I'm biracial. So, like, the fact that, that the Supreme Court didn't even rule that that was unconstitutional. Well, I, w- I wouldn't have been allowed to be born. And... Yeah. And... The, I mean, it wasn't until 1967 that the Supreme Court came out and said, hey, you can't ban people from marrying outside their race. That's kind of, like, not cool. But, like, yeah. it wasn't until 1967, and it wasn't until the 80s, I mean, the early 80s, that it was becoming more and more, it not, not accepted, but more and more, it was seen more frequently. But, I mean, I was born yeah. in 84, so, like, I'm still on the tail end of, that becoming an acceptable thing and that was just a yeah. really important like thing i would not been this. able to marry my significant other yeah we would not be able to have children together yeah so it really is like frightening just horrifying to think you know that this was such a recent yeah period in our history and how much it could have impacted 
so many of us. Mm-hmm. I know. But yeah, that's all I have. But very, very sad case. Um, I have a couple emails if you want to. Um, yeah, we need a lighthearted. On, on a little bit of a lighter note. Yeah. So basically, her line died out. Yes. That's. I mean, that's what they did to her. So they, they accomplished uh-huh. their goal. Yeah. Just knock out her bloodline. Yep. Horrifying. Um, okay, just one second here. Let me pull up the Gmails. So a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so first of all, I have a, a little bit of a, a semi. I don't. I wouldn't call this a correction, but we did the episode on John Wayne Gacy, which was a two-parter. And I had a listener approach me on one of the platform sites that we're on and say, I'm so disappointed in the Gacy episode. You guys did subpar research. He wasn't in an accident the night that he came in for the peace kid. Um, remember how he, he came in all covered, he came to the police station all covered in mud. He, and, he ran and off the road, but he disheveled. wasn't in an accident. Yeah. And I think that he claimed yeah. he was in an accident to the police to try to excuse his disheveled behavior. Right. But I don't believe that we actually said that he was in an accident. Right. We, I think we just said he came, he got stuck in the mud. Right. I, I, I want to make that clear that he did not get in an accident. Right. And if we did say that he got in an accident, then please excuse our misstatement. But it's my understanding that he got stuck in the mud mm-hmm. again because it's Illinois in the middle of the freaking winter, which can be very snowy and muddy and nasty and claimed that he had been right. in an accident when the police questioned him. Right. When he came into the station disheveled, he said, oh, I was in an accident, poor me. I can't be forced to testify or give, um, I can't be forced to be interviewed right now because I was just in an accident and I need to go take care of business or right. whatever. So that was my understanding of that. Was, was that similar for you? Yes, that's like why he shows up at like 4 a.m. and is like, sorry, I'm like six hours late to this interview. I was in an accident. I was in an accident, like, yes. Yeah. But he wasn't really in an right. accident. We just want to make that clear, so. Um, and you know, it was a guy, probably an older gentleman who is more of an expert in this case, who probably listened to the episode with more of a fine tooth mm-hmm. comb and picked it apart because he has an expertise in that. Right. That's his thing. It is what it is. Yeah. We did our best to do solid research on that and to cover it in great detail. And that's why we made it into two episodes. So, so sorry if we misspoke on that point. So end of story on that. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, is we spoke a couple weeks ago, and I'll give you a, a mouse update. <gasps> oh, yeah. You sent me <laughs> I'll that. give you the mouse update. You sent me that picture. Um, <laughs> so essentially, after we saw the mouse on the counter, we put in some no-kill mouse traps. Mm-hmm. And I have been very carefully transporting my little small furry friends to different locations away from our house because <laughs> that's what PETA said you're supposed right. to do. <laughs> I know. I told you they're going to find their way back. <laughs> PETA said that they were that mice are extremely intelligent that they can actually they if you teach them they can recognize their name and respond right, to it yeah and that if you put traps in a house they will not come back to that spot because they remember right. that the traps are there so we put the traps in we caught I believe five mice oh my gosh five and they were very small yeah. they were only like maybe in maybe two inches and I took the traps. We baited them with peanut butter, uh-huh. not with poison. We took the traps for the five little guys and put them in different spots around near, you know, garbage or whatever, so that they would have some. They wouldn't starve uh-huh. or whatever. And then we threw the traps away. And now we put five, I believe, new traps in, and haven't caught anything in approximately about a week, maybe a week and a half. So I think they're gone. Well, we also you sent me we that. We plugged the holes. 
we plugged the holes with steel wool and we put in a lot of um, cotton balls with um, soaked in essential peppermint oil, which they supposedly don't like those oh, things. Oh, okay. So I haven't seen any new mouse droppings. I haven't seen any new creatures out there. That's I good. I think they may be gone from this portion of the house. And I doubt they're upstairs because the upstairs neighbors have cats. Right. So. Well, you sent me you sent me a text that you saw like the huge one or something, or that you saw a small saw one and that Mike didn't one. believe that like that was he thought that was the one that you saw or something like that. And I said because you were like we took them outside and like all of this, and I'm like, no, they're gonna find their way back. And you're like, we took them like five miles away. I'm like, I don't care, they're gonna find their way back. <laughs> if they do, we said we'd give them some cheese and welcome I mean, them back with open arms. Good job, little buddy. <laughs> but. However, the whole story about the mice and the whole situation with that prompted a number of listeners to <laughs> write in about cats, as I suspected they would. <laughs> um, in particular, people that said, you know, why do you not like cats? They're such cool creatures. How dare you? I want to make it clear. I do not hate cats. I think they have some icky habits and I don't like litter boxes, etc. Right. But... There are plenty of people, to one of our listeners' points, that are just as disgusting as the habits of a cat. So I agree with you on oh, that. That's a, that's a good call. <laughs> I'm going to read a few of these emails. Um, I got one that said, how are dogs any less nasty than cats? <laughs> just curious how you came up with that rationale. Stuart. <laughs> yeah, dog's going to be nasty, yeah, too. I mean, he's got a point. I think it's just I'm, we're dog people. I think that's just what it is. Yeah, I don't have either at the moment, and it's because my significant other uh, thinks both are nasty and doesn't want any of them in our house. Mm. <laughs> we don't have either. He agrees with none. No animals, they're nasty. But um, I think they can be. I mean, if you have outdoor cats, to me, that's a little less icky because you don't, or yeah, because you don't have litter box and all that right. kind of stuff. And I tend to not go to the bathroom in the house as much and those sorts of things. But I grew up with cats. I think cats are amazing. They're so funny. Half of what I follow on Instagram is cats. Yeah. So I don't hate cats. Um, I think they have some dirty habits, but so do dogs. Right. So I, I want to make that clear. Don't hate cats. Okay. Um, and the only reason that I said that is because I had a roommate. Um, this was maybe six or seven years ago who had a cat and I grew up with cats. And so I know that they tend to at times get on the counter mm-hmm. and I don't like animals that are crawling in a litter box and then climbing up on the counter where I prepare food. Yeah. So if the dog did that, I would think the dog was nasty too. Um, her cat also peed all over our house. Oh God. So you, you would walk in smell. and you would smell cat pee and you could probably smell dog pee too, but I could always smell the cat pee and I would always be like, why does it smell like cat pee in here? And we would go to the corners and there would be cat pee in the corner. There'd be cat pee over here. Mm. There's cat pee, cat pee on her bed. And I don't know if it's because she wasn't cleaning the litter box out properly. I'm sure we'll get a rash of emails about that as well, but well, it just yeah, it sounds like, like she wasn't pee. a very responsible pet owner. She had a dog, a cat, and a chinchilla. Oh, my gosh. Um, the chinchilla was pretty badass, by the way. He was so cool. I don't like rodents. Um, it was just the neatest little creature. Um, but And I didn't mind the cat either, but the thing is, it was peeing all over the place, and it was not pleasant. Yeah. So that's why, why I've gotten... And it always wanted to be in my room walking around on my pillow. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I didn't even let my dog do that. My dog wasn't allowed to do that. My dog had his own bed and he had to stay in his bed. He wasn't allowed to just tromp around wherever he wanted, get up on the couch. He wasn't allowed on the couch and he wasn't allowed on my bed. Yeah. So um, it is what it is. But in any case, I got another one that said, get it straight, cats rock. (laughs) And this one says, hey, so we heard you make some disparaging remarks about cattos. 
Please reconsider your obvious president, your obvious prejudice against the feline species. <laughs> they are outstanding pets, superb rodent exterminators, True. and perfect companions. Why else would many ancient civilizations treat them as sacred creatures? One should only be as lucky as to have one of these tiny gods grace you with their presence. <laughs> but then again, if you don't want the good luck, by all means, keep avoiding these perfect creatures. <laughs> Kim and Denise from Denver. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> they are. I, that I'm was sorry. This is like is the most amazing email. <laughs> I love this email. Yeah. I'm like, I just, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, we're moving into a larger house um, within the next couple of weeks, and I think I might consider it because it's such a big house, and we could shut off the upstairs because there's doors everywhere, mm -hmm. so they wouldn't necessarily go up there and be around to get on my pillow, and I wouldn't mind. And you could shut off the kitchen, too, because there's a door that goes in there as well, mm -hmm. so they could just have free reign of the rest of the house, including the basement and two other floors, and that would be fine. So it's definitely something. Situation. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's definitely something I'm looking into. As soon as we get to that point, we will consider adopting one from one of the local shelters, because yeah. um, that would be the best thing to do. So awesome email. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> uh, we got another one that says, let's see here, go back a little ways on this one. This one came in one of the first ones. Um, this one says not to insult your intelligence, but I'm going to be the reason, wait, sorry, I'll start over. Not to insult your intelligence, but I'm going to. <laughs> the reason that cats have been around humans so long is because they perform natural predation on vermin. Mm -hmm. While you think they are nasty, I can guarantee you they are so much more clean. They, I can guarantee you they are much more cleanliness oriented than 95% of us. Do some research, stop being obliviated to the arguments about their benefits and consider adopting one. Once you do, your mouse problem is done. And what would you rather have? Mouse crap around your baby or a cat? I mean... Not wrong. <laughs> they've got some excellent points. So I responded back and said, you're absolutely right on the money about cats being clean, because they wrote back again, about cats being cleaner than most people. We could not agree more. After seeing a damn mouse on the counter the other day, despite the plug-in and non-poison options, we are already looking at feline options. Maybe we can train it to use the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I did grow up with cats and want you to know that... Oh, and I want to know how you keep them from bringing the dead rodents to you as little gifts. My cats used to catch them and bring them in to put them on pillows, on tables, counters, etc. Thank you for taking the time to write. And they wrote back, I'll do you one better. I had to surrender my cats when I lost them during the pandemic, but I have a litter robot open air, Google it, that you may have for free if you choose to adopt a cat. Also, oh. I would encourage you to adopt a female cat rather than a male if you are concerned about them bringing gifts back home interesting okay right? so that's more of a male thing that's what they're saying huh so I and then I, I guess the males can sometimes spray on yes. different things and so having a female i think would probably pre prevent that to a certain mm -hmm. degree as well but just soup they, the person didn't leave their name unfortunately so i don't have a name to thank that person for the email but thank you so much for taking the time as listeners to write to us <laughs> I absolutely love getting emails, particularly when they're either controversial or they're funny because it just brightens my whole day up yeah. and I can't help but like smile. And I typically receive them and answer most of them, not Darcy. So yeah. if you do get a response back, I, I typically will write Sarah and Darcy, but I'm usually the one that reads them and receives them because Darcy has enough things to do in her busy, busy life with school <laughs> and whatnot. So I wouldn't ask her to take on that additional task, but um, we're going to go ahead and wrap the episode, I think. Wrap yeah, it up. Yeah. Unless you have anything else you want to add? 
about cats or rodents or small minks rising from the dead? I don't. Yeah, I don't like rodents. I'm sorry. I I know we're going to get emails. I'm sorry. I don't like rodents. They freak me out. I can't anticipate their movements. (laughs) It scares the crap out of you. (laughs) I got to tell you, though, when I released those little mousy mouses, I took them in the little containers. The mouse traps are probably about four inches long and about three inches wide. Mm -hmm. And I just pick them and you slide the lid off and you let them go. And as I did that, the first time I did it, I was terrified that it was going to come running at me uh-huh. you know, like like a rabid animal and jump on me and bite me or whatever. And I was like, so I like <laughs> threw it down and like waited for it to get out. But the second time I did it, I kind of paused for a little bit because when I was watching it in the container, it kept like moving towards the air holes and it was like moving slowly and it sniffed and was like, like it was trying to see who mm-hmm. I was. Like it was thinking, yeah. right? And then when I pulled the top off, it turned around and looked at me, just the most sweet little expression on its face, like, thank you for not killing me. Like, I was so terrified, and I'm free, and thank you for letting me be free. Look at you. You're like a regular Cinderella with all these (laughs) With Gus Gus. Um, (laughs) And then the next time that I did it, again and again after that, these little creatures just were so... They just look so thankful to, I mean, not necessarily that you took them out of their home. Right. <laughs> suck them out into the cold. wilderness <laughs> and it's cold, but I'm sure they'll find adequate. But the, I think they were probably relieved that the scary experience in the little mini trap was yeah. over. Right. Yeah. But anyway. I, I don't, I'm not pro killing animals. Don't like it. Not here for it. But it's you just don't want to touch them and see them yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not as scared of them, I think, as I was at yeah. the beginning of this whole experience. Not that I want them on my counters or near my food, but right. I'm definitely learning to appreciate creatures, living creatures, a little bit more. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap the episode up. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our little podcast if you don't mind or if you feel so inclined. We definitely like seeing the stuff from you guys, getting your feedback. You can shoot us an email if you have some show suggestions or comments or things that you would like to make a correction on one of our podcasts about. I don't mind doing that. Um, You can send us an email at thebfdpodcast at gmail.com. We'll put that into the show notes as well as all the references that we used for the show today. And Darcy, what is our social media? Yeah, we are at the BFD podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And so you can follow us there. We'll post pictures and um, there's not a whole lot of pictures of Carrie Buck, but we'll post what we found. And then we'll also post all the information there too. Absolutely. And please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye, guys.